Greetings, this is podcast number 75 of Blast the Right. I'm Jack Clark from TheRationalRadical.com, www.TheRationalRadical.com. Today, we're going to start off the new year with some new evidence, as if you really need it anymore, that right-wing policies cause increased human misery, suffering, pain, and death. This example concerns thousands of unnecessary highway deaths from accidents involving large trucks. Let's get right into it. I almost didn't do this segment because after I first skimmed over the article in the New York Times that this is primarily based upon, some letters to the editor were published which seemed to point out serious faults in the reporting. Then I said to myself, wait a minute, right-wingers are telling the truth? So I went back and read the article itself carefully. And whoa, what was I thinking? Of course right-wingers are still lying. Besides the article by Stephen Labaton in the New York Times, my sources are a New York Times editorial, trucksafety.org, truckline.com, answers.com, thetruckersreport.com, the website of the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, and a letter to the editor from the head of that agency. Here's what this segment is really all about, what the stakes are. Quote, As Doris Edwards slowed for traffic near Kingdom City, Missouri on our way home from a Thanksgiving trip in 2004, an 18-wheeler slammed into her Jeep Cherokee. The truck crushed the sport utility vehicle and shoved it down an embankment off Interstate 70. Ms. Edwards, 62, was killed. The truck driver accepted blame for the accident, and Ms. Edwards' family filed a lawsuit against the driver and the trucking company. In the course of pursuing its case, the family broached a larger issue, whether the Bush administration's decision to reject tighter industry regulation permitted a poorly trained driver to stay behind the wheel alone instead of resting after a long day of driving. Close quote. Let me give you a little background which will bring us up to the present situation. In 1935, Congress passed the Motor Carrier Act, which gave the Interstate Commerce Commission regulatory power over the trucking industry. Yes, part of Roosevelt's New Deal. Roosevelt is dead! No, no, not yet, Rush. Among other things the ICC did was to establish safety rules in 1937. Truckers could drive no more than 10 continuous hours and were required in each day to have a minimum of 8 hours rest. Besides the daily limits, over 7 consecutive days, truckers could drive no more than 60 hours and no more than 70 hours over 8 days. Drivers had to keep handwritten logs documenting the time they spent behind the wheel. Believe it or not, these 1937 standards were still the rules until recently. Quote, Repeated efforts over the years to tighten the rules were blocked, often as a result of vigorous industry lobbying. Close quote. In the late 90s, there appeared to be hope for some positive change. The Clinton administration set as a goal in 1997, cutting the number of deaths from truck-related accidents in half within a decade. 
1999, Congress created an entire separate agency within the Department of Transportation whose primary mission would be to, quote, reduce crashes, injuries, and fatalities involving large trucks and buses, close quote. This is the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. In the year 2000, it proposed some slightly more stringent driving limits, along with a requirement that electronic logs replace the handwritten ones, which were easily faked. Safety advocates said the proposals didn't go far enough, but even these modest improvements were too much, however, as, quote, action stalled when trucking industry lobbyists inserted language into a spending bill that forced the motor carrier agency to delay action until after the presidential election that November, close quote. Okay, Bush gets in and listen to what happens. This picture is quite disturbing. Safety advocacy groups, along with the insurance industry, presented studies showing that tired truck drivers caused a high percentage of accidents. But the trucking company associations countered with their own statistics that supposedly proved it was passenger cars that caused more than 80% of the accidents, fatigued truckers being responsible for only 2%. Now think for a minute. It's true you can manipulate statistics to say anything you want. So let's assume for the sake of argument that both the trucking industry and the safety advocates have access to grind. The industry higher profits the advocacy groups their prestige and very raison d'etre, reason for existing. But the insurance industry has absolutely no motive to lobby for useless safety standards. It has a vested interest, a major financial stake, in reducing the number of accidents and thus the number of claims it must pay out. So to me, the insurance industry stats that called for more stringent driving hour limits bear a lot of weight. Nevertheless, the federal agency, now filled with Bush appointees, adopted the trucking industry position. In April 2003, as modified in 2005, the agency increased the maximum continuous driving time from 10 to 11 hours. This is even though the better research shows that, quote, after eight hours of consecutive driving, crashes increased dramatically and even more steeply in the 10th and 11th hours of consecutive driving." Close quote. Perhaps even worse, I don't know, it's hard to tell which of their deeds is worse when dealing with right-wing disregard for the public safety, the maximum driving hours over seven days were increased to 77 hours from 60 and over eight days from 70 to 88 hours. Are they crazy? Just think of that. What kind of safety rules haven't been toughened since 1937? But the Bush administration not only doesn't toughen them, it loosens them. Listen to their justification. Quote, the agency said that the new rules would modestly decrease the number of fatalities by increasing the required time off for drivers to 10 hours from 8. Close quote. Fatalities will be decreased, the agency claims, because drivers will get two hours more time off. What does time off have to do with continuous driving fatigue? And how do you feel when you hear the Bush agency's new training standards? Ten hours of training? None of it on the road. None of it on the road. 
the guy or gal piloting that 18-wheeler next to you may be a rookie with no on-the-road training. Now, let me add, for what might not be the last time here, that nothing I am saying is meant to denigrate truck drivers, some of whom I know listen to this podcast. They are among the hardest-working Americans and often for not that great an economic return. The trucking companies are always trying to shortchange and overwork them, and it is those companies and the right-wingers in Congress and the agency on whom I put the blame for this situation. Indeed, as you'll hear later, the Truck Drivers Union opposes the agency's decisions. Finally, regarding these new rules, as icing on the cake and in a blatant show of their true right-wing colors, the agency did not institute a requirement for electronic monitoring devices. Proof positive they want to allow cheating to continue. Quote, the practice of falsifying driver hours is an open secret in the industry. Truckers routinely refer to their logs as comic books. Timothy L. Unrine, a 41-year-old driver from Virginia, said in a recent interview that he was taught to conceal excessive driving hours during training last January by his former employer, Boyd Brothers Transportation of Birmingham, Alabama. Mr. Unrine added that the company pushed him to work longer hours than permitted and that his logbooks were adjusted many times to make it appear he was within the limits. Several times when he told the dispatcher he was too tired to make another trip, he said, he was ordered to do so after just a few hours sleep. Mr. Unrine said, quote, I never felt safe driving under these conditions. I talked to many drivers on the fuel islands, truck stops and rest areas. Logbooks are so fake. It scares me that there are more accidents on the road. Close quote. The company, of course, denied these allegations. Who you gonna believe? Well, the courts have believed the drivers and the safety advocates. But before we get into that, let's go back for a minute to the sad tale we opened this segment with. Remember poor Doris Edwards? Now you can understand how right-wing policies helped kill her. Quote, After intense lobbying by the politically powerful trucking industry, regulators a year earlier had rejected proposals to tighten drivers' hours and instead did the opposite, relaxing the rules on how long truckers could be on the road. That allowed the driver who hit Ms. Edwards to work in the cab nearly 12 hours, eight of them driving nonstop, which he later acknowledged had tired him. Government officials had also turned down repeated requests from insurers and safety groups for more rigorous training for new drivers. The driver in the fatal accident was a rookie on his first cross-country trip. His instructor, a 22-year-old with just a year of trucking experience, had been sleeping in a berth behind the cab much of the way. Close quote. Let's take a break, and when we return, we'll discuss what a judge appointed by Ronald Reagan had to say about all this. We'll also debunk some right-wing propaganda on the issue. The courts. As summarized in the New York Times, the agency's actions, quote, 
have been subject to withering criticism by federal appeals court panels in Washington who say they ignore government safety studies and put the industry's economic interests ahead of public safety. Close quote. Would right-wingers ever put profit ahead of public safety? Several safety organizations sued the agency challenging these new, what I should really call, unsafety rules. In July 2004, a Washington, D.C. three-judge appeals court panel really, well, there's no other way to put it, blasted the Bush agency. And no, any right-wingers who may be listening, the harsh opinion, as Stephen Labaton called it, wasn't written by some tree-hugging socialist judge appointed by Carter or Clinton. No, it was written by a conservative Republican appointed by Ronald Reagan. The opinion condemned the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration for, quote, ignoring its own evidence that fatigue causes many truck accidents. The agency admits that studies show that crash risk increases, in the agency's words, geometrically after the eighth hour on duty, close quote. The judges also said they didn't understand why the agency didn't even estimate the benefits of electronic monitoring. The court threw out the hour in service rules. But the shameless right-wingers in the agency just went ahead and reissued virtually the same rules, which are again being challenged in court by safety groups and the Teamsters Union. What about the pathetic training non-requirement? An appeals court faulted the agency for ignoring its very own studies, which called for more comprehensive training and called the training regulations baffling. Not baffling if you understand right-wingers. You know what I'm saying? Since the court ruling, the agency has stonewalled and not issued any new training rules. Let's be clear about this. By its own standards, the agency is failing at its job. Remember, its mandate, as set forth on its own website, is to, quote, reduce crashes, injuries, and fatalities involving large trucks and buses, close quote. Yet, quote, Weakening the rules has reversed the course set by the Clinton administration and has resulted in the federal government repeatedly missing its own targets for reducing the death rate. Close quote. Because the target has not been met, thousands of lives every year are being needlessly lost, not to mention God knows how many other people being severely injured. What more proof do you need that right-wing policies increase human misery, suffering, pain, and death? Let's quickly dispose of some right-wing gibberish defending this mass murder on the roads. Here's one doozy. The industry argues that, quote, Without longer work hours, the industry would be forced to put more drivers with little experience behind the wheel. Close quote. Uh... I'd rather have a well-trained new driver behind the wheel than an experienced driver who's been overworked and is half asleep. Then the right-wingers try to spin the statistics, quote, Regulators and industry officials point out that the death toll of truck-related accidents, about 5,000 annually, has not increased, close quote. Poor safety practices haven't killed more people than the years before. Terrific accomplishment! 
the agency's deputy administrator, David Hugel, quote, blames increasing traffic for the agency's inability to meet its goals. He said, quote, more trucks combined with even more passenger vehicles leads to more roadway congestion, increased risk, and a larger number of fatalities, close quote. Yo, Mr. Hugel, your mandate was to reduce fatalities, not reduce fatalities unless traffic increases a bit. Similarly, right-wingers point out that the fatality rate, if not the actual numbers of deaths, has declined over the years. John H. Hill, head of the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, bragged in a letter to the New York Times criticizing Stephen Labaton's article that, quote, on the Bush administration's watch, it has declined 4%, close quote. 4% in six years? The goal had been to cut the fatality rate in half in 10 years. To anyone else but a right-winger, that's a miserable failure, Mr. Hill. Indeed, if you read carefully, the right-wingers are forced to admit their own failure. Quote, in a budget submission to Congress last February, the Transportation Department noted its repeated failure to cut the death rate and conceded that the agency, quote, has difficulty demonstrating how its regulatory activities contribute to reaching its safety goal, close quote. Wow. This entire trucking regulation situation is reflective of the entire right-wing modus operandi. First, as you might expect, the trucking industry is a major contributor to the GOP. $40 million from 2000 to 2006. In 2000 alone, four times as much money went to the GOP as to Democrats. These numbers don't even include lobbying expenses, quote, donations and lobbying fees, about $37 million from 2000 to 2005, led to rules that have saved what industry officials estimate are billions of dollars in expenses linked to tougher regulations, close quote. The result was a rollover right-wing Congress. Second, as you might also expect, the Bush administration appointed trucking industry officials to key positions in the regulatory agency. Letting industry regulate itself is a key right-wing tactic. Michael P. Jackson, a leading trucking association official, became the number two guy at the Department of Transportation. As head of the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration itself, Bush appointed a fine gentleman named Joseph M. Clapp. He used to run Roadway, a trucking company, and was, quote, the leader of an industry foundation that sponsored research claiming fatigue was not a factor in truck accidents, a conclusion at odds with government and academic studies, close quote. The perfect right-winger, putting profit and ideology over science and human life. Reminds me of all the mining company officials Bush appointed to lead the Federal Mine Safety Agency or of the doctor who opposes all birth control, even for married women, whom Bush appointed as head of the federal agency responsible for dispensing birth control. You can check out Podcast 71 about that. The New York Times, in an editorial, aptly described the Bush administration's trucking industry policies as farcical, shameful, and the worst case of industry pandering in a generation. And of course, 
loosening trucking industry regulations is but a small part of the overall right-wing effort to now rush now, here's your cue, destroy the social safety net. Roosevelt is dead. His policies may live on, but we're in the process of doing something about that as well. As noted earlier, the entire regulatory scheme for the trucking industry was established under none other than Franklin Delano Roosevelt. The Bush administration has been working overtime to, quote, do something about truck safety rules and hundreds of other federal, pro-people, actual and proposed regulations. Here's a very astute comment from Jacqueline S. Gillian, who's with Advocates for Highway and Auto Safety. That group is made up of consumer health and insurance organizations. She said, quote, These truck crashes happen one at a time in communities across the country and get little attention. Can you imagine what the outcry would be at the FAA if we had 25 major airplane crashes a year, which is the equivalent of what is happening with trucks? Close quote. What a national uproar there would be indeed if instead of 5,000 truck accident fatalities a year, there were 5,000 killed in airplane crashes every year, or frankly, even one-tenth that amount. Don't right-wingers use the roads? Do they want a 40-ton, 80,000-pound, 18-wheeler crushing them in their car? Are they just plain suicidal? Just because they're suicidal doesn't mean that we should let them adopt homicidal policies towards the rest of us. Let's end, finally, by returning to poor Mrs. Edwards. The trucking company settled with Ms. Edwards' son for $2.4 million. Steve Edwards, exhibiting good sense even in the midst of his tragedy, understands the larger picture. Quote, Mr. Edwards thinks responsibility for safety goes beyond individual drivers and links his mother's death to the Bush administration's decisions against imposing tighter driving limits. He said, quote, These drivers are working hard every day on the road to make a living. They are overtired and underpaid. Close quote. Mr. Edwards said his mother, who had worked at a Procter & Gamble company factory before her weakened knees forced her to retire, had been looking forward to traveling, gardening, and playing with her grandchildren. Mr. Edwards said of the accident, quote, If there is any silver lining, it is that he hit her so hard she never saw it coming. Close quote. Just like so many Americans never saw the right-wing wolf coming, which was hidden in George Bush's compassionate conservative sheep's clothing. The right-wing wolf that always puts profit ahead of life, that invariably chooses making more money, even if the cost is increased human misery, suffering, pain, and death. Representative James Oberstar, Democrat of Minnesota, is the new chairman of the House Committee on Transportation and Infrastructure. He's indicated that the maximum driving hours rules need to be re-examined. As the new Congress comes into session, let's hope Democrats and non-right-wing Republicans will take corrective action, progressive action, to make our roads safer for all of us. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend about Blast the Right and vote for Blast the Right at podcastalley.com. There's a one-click link to do each of those on the podcast homepage. 
You get to the podcast homepage by searching for Blast the Right in Google, and I'm the first result. A quick voting report. Thanks to all your efforts, Last the Right finished at number 9 in December. In January, the last time I looked, we were holding steady at number 4. Wow. We're fast out of the gate. We'll need a lot of votes to stay in the top 10 at all. So, if you haven't voted yet, please do. A special shout out to all you Live 365 and Red Dragon 365 listeners. You're invited also to come to the podcast homepage, download any episode of the podcast anytime you want, and use the one-click link there to vote for Blast the Right at Podcast Alley. Here's something new. I want to get my feet wet with taking phone calls. I'll start off the tough way, right-wingers only. You're invited to call in and take your best shot at me. 310-933-5891 or Skype me at Jack from Blast the Right. I'm going to start off with a short period of time. This Friday, the day after this podcast comes out, from 3 to 3.15 p.m. And next Friday as well, 3 to 3.15 p.m. The time is California time. If you call in and it's busy, you can leave a message, I think. And if it's during the time period still, I'll try and give you a call back. Now a word from another progressive podcaster. A retreat of the, from the United States from Vietnam would be a communist victory, a victory of massive proportions, and would lead to World War III. Wow, everything stays the same. What happened during Vietnam is happening again. Republicans just can't stop lying. We're still bogged down in Iraq. There's no end in sight. We have a good old boys network trying to figure it all out. And they're still needlessly scaring us. Now they're saying we can't even impeach the worst president the U.S. has ever had. Are you sick of it? Listen and comment on Citizen Against Lies and I'll play your comments. A progressive podcast for everyone. Because I know how you feel. Check it out on iTunes or at CitizenAgainstLies.com. Music credits. The break music was The Schnee Speaks by KG House combined with the alternate Blast the Right theme by Nye's Music. We'll close with a bit of Too Much Bush by Wang Dang Doodle. Links to all the music I play on Blast the Right can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on the data resources page. Both of them are linked to off the main podcast homepage. Thanks to Tom Hartman for the Rush Limbaugh audio clip. Your email continues to come in and it's great. Write to me, rational at adelphia.net. I actually read every piece of email the day it comes in, but some of them require some thought or some research even before I can reply, so I've fallen behind a little again. Be patient, I will respond. In addition to the right-wingers call-in I mentioned, everyone's invited 24-7 to call in and leave a message for me to play on Blast the Right. Same number, 310-933-5891, or Skype me at Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls. Bitch.
long it's time for breakfast.